Hello and welcome to Out and About Imbalovians. I'm your host, Jeremy Barfer. As part of my job as Member of the Scottish Parliament, I get to travel around Malovians, meeting interesting people and hearing about how the companies, charities and projects that they work for benefit and contribute to our community. On this podcast, I will share their stories. On today's episode, I'm looking forward to talking to Andy Murray from Safe Families. Andy, thanks for having us uh, this morning. Um, Safe Families, tell me a bit more about it. Well, Safe Families is in its 10th year. Um, In Scotland, we started a year behind the rest of the UK, so we started in 2014. Um, At the time, I was working for Bethany Christian Trust and Safe Families UK approached Bethany uh, to start Safe Families in Scotland uh, in partnership with Bethany. Um, we're now part of the UK-wide charity, so um, Safe Families is really all about um, belonging. Um, so our strap line is that no one deserves to be alone, everyone deserves to belong. Um, we have a cost of living crisis, but we have a, a loneliness epidemic in society. And um, loneliness is terrible for anyone, but particularly for families, if you're isolated and you're struggling with um, family situation where perhaps uh, kids aren't attending school or um, kids have got special needs, isolation can be very profound and acute. So Safe Families is all about um, connecting families to uh, hope and support and creating that sense of belonging. Um, So we're now in about 50 local authorities across the UK. Uh, In Scotland we've largely been working across the Lothians over the last uh, few years, but now we're gradually moving into Perth and hopefully Dundee soon. Uh, We've just launched in Fife and we're now applying for funding in Aberdeenshire and Aberdeen, so we're gradually moving up these coasts. So, just tell me, I know every journey will be different, but how do people find you and once they find you, So I think the journey for most people would be that a health visitor or a social worker or a teacher refer the family to see families. Um, We have a very very small proportion of self-referrals but the vast majority would be referred by a professional. Um, We would would receive the referral, Um, we would do a little bit of work on it just to double check that it's um, appropriate for us and then one of our staff would go out within hopefully a week or two and they would connect with the family um, and then we would spend the next two or three weeks trying to connect a volunteer and um, we're passionate about uh, volunteering so we believe that um, the fact that somebody's not paid to be in the family's life creates a um, a really good connection and dynamic. Um, so the volunteer would be would be linked and matched to the family. We spend a bit of time trying to make sure that we get the right link and the right match. And then uh, the family would have certain, maybe two or three simple goals to work on. So they might perhaps work on getting the, the mum to be more active in our community and get the confidence to perhaps attend a, um, a parent and toddler group. Um, and that support would last for maybe <coughs> six to nine months initially. It might be that they're working directly with the children. 
Um, so they might take a particular child out maybe once a fortnight to do activities to give mum a break or dad a break. Um, just to give you a quick example, I visited a, a single dad over the last few years in a, um, a pretty desperate situation. He'd lost hope. Um, he'd lost a very close family member recently and he was looking after two young children. Um, I connected a volunteer um, and that volunteer was able to support him into community activities. He was able to take him to the local community cafe at the local church. Um, sometimes they just stayed in and played computer. Um, but gradually it gave the, the dad the confidence he needed to engage with his community, make relationships, make connections, and give him the confidence to be, to look after his, his two young kids. So, um, so that's the kind of thing that we would do on a regular basis. It's, it's that sense of connection. Somebody said, you know, the sort of magical thing about relationships is if you spend enough time in somebody's presence without an agenda, uh, you know, the magic of friendship happens. And um, I quite often say when I'm speaking to people, we're not looking for volunteers, we're looking for people that can make amazing memories with kids. And, and that's what we see safe families as. It's about, it's about making incredible memories with children. Yeah. So wh- what does your kind of average volunteer look like? You know, if I'm thinking, well, actually, you know, sounds good. What, what, is, there kind of, is it someone who's got all the answers, someone who's got it all worked out, got the perfect family themselves? Not at all. Um, our volunteers are it's quite a wide range of volunteers. <clears throat> um, we quite often get some students who volunteer with us. Um, we often get young families who come along perhaps who don't have kids yet. Um, a lot of our volunteers would be people who are close to retirement or who are retired. Um, but a, volu- a volunteer, what we're looking for is, I suppose, primarily is, is compassion for, for families, flexibility, um, but also the humility to understand that they don't have all the answers. Um, we're not looking for professionals, we're not looking for counsellors. Uh, we're looking for people who can love families abundantly. That's what we talk about in terms of our values. It's, it's loving abundantly. Um, and somebody who can have the humility to take guidance from safe families when there are perhaps safeguarding issues. Um, but I would say compassion, flexibility. The big thing is capacity. Do you have capacity to get alongside a family? There's no point in signing up and then constantly cancelling because you don't have time. So um, do people have the, the, the time to to really walk alongside a, a family who are in crisis. Um, I think of some of the great examples that we had during lockdown uh, of families, uh, of volunteers who are just willing to take a kid out and perhaps go for a walk with them, take them to the park. But it was really a lifeline, you know, in that really, really stressful period when um, yeah, families were going through a real tough time during lockdown. So, um yeah, we're not looking for experts, we're not looking for professionals, we're looking for people with incredible compassion, flexibility uh, and uh, the capacity to spend time with families. And obviously you've you know, got quite a good overview. Where are we in Scotland in regard to kind of family, social structures? You know, we see lots of things happening in our society. Is it all negative? Is it all positive? 
what would be your view of where we are as a society around this? So what I quite often say to people is, I've been in social work for, for 30 years, and I think what I've come to realise is that people, most people aren't looking for services. They don't want interventions. Um, they want compassion, they want connection, and they want community. So the big thing for me is, it's not so much how do we create more services, it's how do we create a more compassionate society. What are the building blocks that we need to build on to create a more compassionate, civic society? And um, obviously, as a, as a Christian charity, we believe that the church has got a huge part to play in that. Um, I think, to a large extent, the church has been sidelined and marginalised in Scotland. But, you know, every week I get a chance to go around churches in Scotland and see the incredible work that's happening <clears throat> very often below the radar um, church volunteers doing some incredible things in communities um, I see a lot of people who are involved in church planting in um, deprived areas and again doing some incredible things very much under the radar um, you know, one of the challenges I've always got <clears throat> when I'm trying to think of new proposals and new projects is In any area of Scotland, if a mum or a dad hits crisis today, where would they go? Um, so often our, um, our council centres are, are not easy to access nowadays. Everything's gone online. and But there's still a church in every community. And if those churches are open and willing to offer help and compassion at the point of need... They've got an incredible role to play in uh, responding with compassion to the families who are in crisis. Um, we've had a report uh, written in Safe Families about the impact that um, churches have. Um, it's a report called More Than Sundays. And um, it's just about the incredible work that churches do all around the country to provide family support services. Um, the other incredible thing is the amount of um, foster carers and adopters that are coming out of local churches. We work in partnership with our friends Home for Good and um, they're encouraging churches to step up in terms of fostering and adoption and um, we believe that's a, a huge part of our, our theology around reaching out to um, the, the widow and the orphan and the stranger in the Bible. Um, but yeah, I think... I'm also a great believer in, in the power of sport. Um, I'm a chaplain to a Shinty club and I see the incredible um, power that, that, that clubs can have in communities, football clubs, Shinty clubs. Um, <clears throat> I'm very sad sometimes that these clubs aren't accessible because of a, a lack of funding for kids from a deprived background and I think we should do a huge, huge amount more to... Um, make sure that these things are accessible in terms of fees and I would hate to think that somebody can't attend Cubs or Scouts or Brownies because of you know, the money they have to pay for these things and um, I'd love to see more help in terms of kids getting sporting equipment so they can access these things and uh, be part of our community and get the, the opportunities to succeed in these things. And as you talk to your colleagues down south in other parts of the UK, is it, is it a similar picture? 
or other specific Scottish issues that you're picking up that maybe we don't pick up in the North East or in other side? So I think there are a lot of positives in Scotland. I think um, the development of um, Gurfik has been good in Scotland. Um, I think that we have tried to um, adopt an early intervention approach in Scotland. <clears throat> I think child planning meetings through the GERFEC process are really helpful. People can flag things at a very early stage. We can get everybody around the table and just share our concerns. I think um, the development of things like the Whole Family Wellbeing Fund, the 500 million that's been made available to councils over the next uh, three years, is an extremely positive step um, towards taking some of the funding from reactive services and putting it into prevention services. And um, it's not been rolled out in every city yet, which is unfortunate, but I think that's a hugely positive step in the right direction that um, we're spending huge amounts of money reacting <coughs> to things when they go wrong. Um, we spend huge amounts of money taking children into care. Um, and I think the Scottish Government are trying to redress that by putting some of that money into early intervention work. I think much more so in Scotland than in the rest of the UK, as far as I can tell. Um, which is, an, for me, a very, very positive thing. But <clears throat> um, I'd like us to see see it go much, much further and much more be much more radical. I think the National Care Review, the Promise, which came out just at the start of lockdown, I think, again... Um, the ambition of the promise is excellent um, but I would like us to see um, those some of that ambition realised um, again much more radically um, I think if we can <coughs> um, think much less in, in silos in local government and think much more radically and collectively um, I think it's great to work with our colleagues in health, but um, I think social work has quite a unique um, background, and um, we need to always remember that we're not we're always working with people, and people are complex, and <clears throat> things like poverty are complex. They can't be solved overnight. They can't be solved easily. So um, it can only be work. These things can only be re resolved by working. Um, in partnership, working at a very early stage and um, some of the ambition in Scotland is exciting but we've got a long way to go I would say <coughs> So you mentioned you've been here for 10 years <coughs> just tell us a bit more about how did you end up working in this whole area Yeah, so I graduated as a social worker in 1995, I worked for City of Edinburgh Council um, worked in secure units, Howden Hall um, worked in fostering and adoption for a wee while <clears throat> worked in through care and after care and had a brief spell in educational psychology and then in 2006 I joined Bethany Christian Trust and did various jobs with Bethany um, and latterly um, I was um, group head of community support in Bethany and during that time discussion started with Safe Families um, in England about starting Safe Families in Scotland and initially Bethany were involved in that and um, I was tasked with some of that work and um, and then 
over time we joined the UK wide charity and um, <clears throat> I'm now the programme manager for Scotland so my role has um, got a lot to do with uh, developing safe families around Scotland so as I say we've been involved in launching safe families in the Kirkcaldy area of Fife and um, we've applied for funding in, in Aberdeenshire and we're hoping to apply for funding in Aberdeen um, we're hoping that the whole family wellbeing fund money will come out in other places so we've applied for some funding in Dundee we're just waiting to hear about that so um, we're quite hopeful that uh, there'll be new opportunities around Scotland uh, but my main role now is, is in terms of new developments so. I mean we live in a kind of success driven society and I appreciate it's probably more difficult within the work that you're doing but as you look at our intervention if you look at a, a family pairing up with another family how would you define success or is that not a fair question even to ask i think it is a fair a fair question <clears throat> so we right from the start say families have been very strong on on data collection so we do something called an outcomes hexagon where we can measure um, things like social isolation, positive parenting, <clears throat> all these kind of things, and we would um, we would um, update that every three months while working with families. So we do look for for progress. Um, obviously, there's the there's the bare numbers of number of families you've worked with, number of families you've supported, <coughs> number of children you've benefited. So these are the bare figures. But um, in terms of a measuring things like belonging we can ask families for feedback we get some incredible feedback I, I did a closing review for a family uh, two or three weeks ago and a volunteer had worked with a with a mum and her daughter for over a year <coughs> when we were initially linked to the family the the mother um, the daughter was displaying a lot of challenging behaviour so they didn't go out, out a lot to, to sort of events or public places and it was incredible over that year just to see the incredible compassion of that volunteer um, working on strategies with the, the wee girl to <clears throat> help her to focus more um, and gradually over that year we saw her, her behaviour beginning to change. Mum, The mum moved from um, a pretty poor housing situation to a much better housing situation. And I said to the mum at the review, um, <clears throat> how would you say, say, families has helped you? And she just said, it's the first time in my life that I feel that like somebody treated me like a person. And that kind of feedback, I think, is, is fantastic. And we would use that kind of feedback in our outcomes reporting for local authorities. Um, so we have the <clears throat> we have the outcomes hexagon, so we can say that they've, um, they've, they've improved in terms of positive parenting, social networks... Um, you know, the physical condition of the house and so on. But some of that soft feedback is fantastic, and we try and capture some of that stuff um, for our case studies and our, our outcomes reporting. Um, we've done a lot of work around improving our outcomes reports for local authorities. So, our business support and development manager here in the, here in um, Scotland in the north of England, <coughs> she writes fantastic reports, and we've got a very high level of. Um, outcomes reporting but um, yeah I think for success for us would be a family who feel more connected 
we we also measure things like um, we've done a big outcomes report with um, Sonnet Impact and um, they've been able to track how much money has been saved in terms of local authorities and the government <coughs> but also um, how many people then go back to uh, seek statutory support in local authorities and um, most of the families you work with are, are much more independent and they don't have to go back and seek statutory uh, support for quite some time. So. I, I think you sadly nearly gone Andy, so my final question is when I ask everybody, if I gave you a magic wand and you could wave a magic wand, what would be the one difference that would help your charity with people you're working with? I think most most charities would say you know increased funding, which would be great. But I suppose for us connected to that would just be that people would get our vision, and that we would have more compassionate volunteers across Scotland <coughs> who would be able to come forward and connect with families. And um, I suppose we'd love to see a time almost when safe families didn't need to exist because. Um, Scotland and particularly the church in Scotland got this as a vision and were willing to to get alongside families in their community and just lovingly bring a sense of connection and belonging to, to families and um, give them that sense of hope. <clears throat> I always quote my, my great hero Frederick Douglass who came to Scotland many years ago <coughs> and Frederick Douglass famously said it's easier to raise strong children than repair broken men. And I suppose our vision is that we'd love to see a society where um, early intervention and prevention is um, just part and parcel of our practice and <clears throat> that families get the help when they need it rather than when uh, crisis strikes and, and, and um, families experience a lot of trauma but they just get that help um, when it's needed. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was so great to hear from Andy and about the amazing work they're doing to help families um, across Scotland. We'll put a link onto their website in the show notes and you can go to it if you want to find out more. Thank you for listening to Out and About in the Lothians and I look forward to catching up next time. Bye.